Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. New technologies and devices are making it increasingly easy for blind people to navigate in public venues. And that's what we'll be talking about this week. We'll speak with Idan Meir, one of the founders and CEO of Right Here, about how this new company is partnering with commercial venues to make them more accessible to people who are blind. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip is some good advice for people who want to start up a company from Idan Meir. So my tip is to the entrepreneurs out there, if there are, even if you don't have the whole solution, the whole value, the whole product that you're working on ready, you know, to, to the top or to, to the maximum, try to go to your first users or potential clients, the one who will, in, in the end of the day will buy it or, or use it. Try to go them as early as possible. Try to ask them whether they will be actually willing to use it or buy it from the very beginning. And not just tell, tell them something like, if we had that, would you do this? But actually tell them, hey, I have this. Would you like to have some? You know, I think that's important to involve these people early on in the process because it helps you debug the process. If you have the whole package put together and you did something wrong, it's hard to redo from the start. Correct. Exactly. And, that, and that's exactly my tip. I mean, try, try to, to reach out to them as early as possible. Even if you, you know, it, it, people say, if you're not embarrassed showing them, it's probably too late. And what great advice. Start early in the process and actually involve your customers in helping to design whatever product or technology or service that you want to offer. And the final product is more likely to come out appealing to your prospective customers if you do it that way. Let's start by meeting Idan. My name is Idan Meir. I'm from uh, right here. I'm the CEO and co-founder, and I'm very excited to be here. And right here is in Israel, right? Correct. Yeah. And what is your background? I'm coming from a marketing and management background, uh, and I can also say an entrepreneurial background. Before right here, I've, uh, I founded the first incubator outside of Tel Aviv here in Israel for startups. Uh, and I've been working in the startup scene for a little while, for the last five or six years. Uh, grown up here in Israel, where I'm currently talking with you. What experience did you have working on access technology or with people with vision loss before you started right here? I have no relations with people with disabilities or with the accessibility domain before. It's, I wouldn't say new to me because I'm already in two years in this, but I have no, no relation to that prior to, uh, to right here. That's interesting. I always ask people that question, you know, how did they get interested in helping out the visually impaired community? But I guess you're learning a little bit more about it as you get into this surface now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been always interested, you know, in equality and inclusion, but I've never, I've never took some activity on that. But these days, 
when we started working on, on the startup, we came to this domain by almost an accident. Uh, we came to that from the technology perspective. Uh, we found this iBeacon technology is a very powerful technology and we thought it would be most valuable and what could be the best use case for this technology. And this is how we came to, to right here. Great. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is the Right Here app that can provide orientation for the visually impaired in public venues. So before we get into talking about some of the details of how this works and how the company was started, maybe you can give us a quick summary of what the service is all about. Sure. Right Here is all about uh, accessibility. It's an orientation solution for people who are blind or visually impaired and also for people with other uh, orientation challenges. The idea is basically to allow a person, once he enters to an indoor environment, whether if it's a, a mall or a university or a museum or any, any public space, to allow him to acquire a better orientation uh, wherever he is. And when, when I'm saying better orientation, I mean knowing about where he is, what is it, what is it there, what is it around him, and so forth. And how does it work then? Basically, the, the whole system has three main components. Uh, the first one is a mobile app, which is totally free for the user. Uh, secondly is the accessible spots that we install in the venue. Uh, there are self-powered sensors uh, that do not require Wi-Fi, Internet, GPS, not even electricity. So this is the second component, and I'll get back to that maybe later. And and the third component is an online dashboard which allows the admin or the venue owner to manage all the content that later on the user will hear once it gets close to this accessible spot. So I guess the idea is that a visually impaired person wanders through the environment with their cell phone or smartphone and they can get audio cues about what these sensors want to provide to them. Correct. So, yeah. So if, if to describe a little bit the experience from the user perspectives. So basically, it's all actually it all starts from home, which means that the user, once you open up the app, it can it can hear what places nearby are accessible for him. Uh, at the moment, most of our play, our venues are in Israel, but we're now making a lot of efforts and, you know, expanding our activity to the, to the U.S. And we already have some venues in the U.S., probably get back to this later, but basically the whole experience starts from home, which means the user can hear what places are accessible for him at home. Once you choose one of them, it will ask him how he would like to get to this uh, venue, whether if it's an Uber or, or Lyft cab, or uh, whether if it's a uh, Google Maps, Blind Square, actually we've recently uh, started a collaboration with Blind Square on that. And once the user gets nearby the area or nearby the venue, we will notify him that he's in accessible zone. This will be the first notification it will get from us. It's usually about a mile away from this uh, venue uh, as, a, as a radius. Uh, and it will ask him to open up the app so he could start get more notifications about his about orientation around him. And what happens when the user enters the venue that is equipped with right here? Once they actually get to the venue, they start actually to experience the whole value of it. And, and when I'm saying that, it's, it actually has four main features inside of it. The first one is about his current location. So, for example, let's say it's a mall, 
uh, it will probably tell him you are in the main entrance to this mall. Okay, or if, uh, to give another uh, example, if it's a hospital, so you're in the main entrance to this hospital. Uh, so this actually answering the, the, the question, where am I? Secondly, it's additional information about where you are. So if, if, you know, if you're saying the mall, so it could be the open hours of this mall. So for example, you're in the main entrance to this mall, and the open hours are from Monday to Friday, between this hour to this hour. It could also be anything else that the, the admin or the venue owner decided to put inside of it. So again, we answered, where am I? What is it here? And then thirdly, which is very unique to what we're doing, is that no matter where the user is actually pointing with his smartphone, it will let him know what is it there and what distance. So for example, if the user is pointing you know, directly inside the mall, it might say you know, the, the elevators are in this direction, 20 feet away. Uh, or if he's pointing to another direction, it might say restroom, and then to the restroom, go in this direction for, I don't know, till the end of the hall, uh, ladies on the left and gentlemen on the right. Just this is an example. Mm -hmm. So again, as we said, it's, where am I? What, what is it here? Uh, what is it around me and how to get there if I choose to? Idan kindly provided us with an example of the audio a user might hear upon entering the Technion University. The Technion University, main entrance. Welcome to the Technion University. The campus is accessible for you. You are now next to the automated doors in the entrance to the main building. To the front desk, continue in this direction 30 feet until the end of the lobby. And that's really useful information. That is sure is better than having a Braille sign that you have to search for or just wandering in and tapping around with your cane. You enumerated the first couple of features of right here. What else does it do for a user? Last but not least is the ability to call for assistance if needed. So uh, if it's, in a, again, a, this mall or a hospital, whatever it is, it can just push one button and have an immediate phone call with the one who is responsible for accessibility in this specific area. Now, is that somebody who's employed by right here or somebody who's employed by the venue? The venue. It's the one who is responsible for accessibility in the specific venue. If there is one, or let's say it's a hotel, for example, it will probably go to the reception. Mm -hmm. Or if, again, if it's a mall, so it probably will go to the information center. So yeah, the one who installed the, the system choose where this call will go. Uh, sometimes I can tell they choose not to have that feature, but we allow that uh, for them if they choose to. One thing I think is really neat about this service is, you know, some venues try to make their places accessible by putting up Braille labels. And it'll say bathroom or a room number or something like that. And unless you can find the label, you have no idea. I mean, how do you find the label as a visually impaired person? Exactly. Sounds like with this, you just walk around with your phone you'll, and you'll be alerted. Bathrooms are 30 feet to your right. Exactly. That's correct. I mean, you know, I don't think sometimes people think that, hey, so this is just to replace the Braille signs. And in some cases, it's true. In other cases, I wouldn't suggest that. I would suggest you complete the experience with that. So let's take a university as, a, as an example, as a use case. So let's say there is a corridor with many uh, rooms, classes uh, on those sides. Instead of having accessible spot on each and every door, which you can do that, Instead of that, we would probably would suggest you to have only one in the beginning of the corridor that will direct the user to this, you know, continue in this direction to rooms from 100 to 110, for example. 
And if we will be want to be precise exactly where he's going, what door he is currently at, instead of having another accessible spot, which the venue again can do, it can just you know touch and, and understand uh, thanks to the brow if this is room room number one hundred and five or room one hundred and six. Right. So use a combination of assistive methods. Exactly. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, we will probably tell him that, you know, there is rail signs next to each door on the left and, you know, and on the on his shoulder high. It's helpful to know where to look for those signs. Otherwise, you can be feeling the entire wall. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Boy, this sounds like a complete soup to nuts solution. A visually impaired person doesn't even have to guess about which venue might be accessible in this manner. You said you already have a list of what venues in their local area might be accessible. And then once they get there, they can totally navigate around and uh, figure out what's around them and what's of interest. Exactly. And, and Peter, maybe just to comment on that, you know, usually when we describe our solution, people uh, think of us as an indoor navigation system which is almost correct because we're not about navigation, indoor navigation. We're more about indoor orientation, which I know it's just a slightly different, but we think it's a huge difference. It just actually puts us apart. And the reason for that is that a navigation experience is like taking you from point A to point B inside an environment. And orientation is more about knowing where you are, whether if it's point A or point B, and what is it there so you can choose where else you want to go. We had a conversation with a researcher, Sherry Azencott, who works at the Technion recently, and that was in episode 1726. But anyway, she talked about how some of these solutions don't help the visually impaired person complete the entire task. So, for example, if someone needed to go to the supermarket to find a painkiller, their navigation system might be able to get them there and so they can complete part of the task. But once they got there, they couldn't pick the pain reliever off the shelf. And so she stressed the importance of having applications that can actually do the entire task that a visually impaired person wants to do. And it sounds like this uh, application really does that. I have two ways to answer that. And, and, and it's, it's right here, we're not trying to solve the whole journey of, of, the, of the experience, but just the, the main parts of it, or let's say some parts of it. And, and the way we do that is by collaborating with other third-party solutions. We're trying to allow the users to find his way and understand where he is in the best way possible. Once he gets there, you can use other apps or, or solutions as OrCam, Be My Eyes, and others that are available to recognize objects. And you know, I think it's eventually it's collaborating with many different technologies, many different apps that do different things in their best ways. Uh, to allow the user eventually have the whole experience in the best way possible. So you mentioned that you're establishing a relationship with BlindSquare, and we talked with Ilka Pirtama um, a couple of years ago in episode 1544 about BlindSquare. And that's, of course, more of an outside navigation experience. Can you talk about how you're planning to couple the two? Sure. So this is something we just recently announced. We, we realized that for the outdoor, we do need to you know, find someone who's there, who's doing a great job there uh, and work with. So, and BlindSquare is obviously a great app to work with about it. So the collaboration we came up with is that once a user finds uh, an accessible venue that is accessible with right here for him in the app, it can choose to navigate there 
on the outdoor with the Blind Square app. And once it gets into the specific venue, the app automatically will change itself to right here. And we're going outside of this venue, uh, the right here will change back to the Blind Square experience. So this makes it a pretty seamless experience for the user. They don't have to be opening and closing apps and finding these apps. Exactly. So then are you thinking about also partnering with apps like Be My Eyes, et cetera, for the transition from, okay, I found the milk section. How do I find the right kind of milk? Exactly. Exactly. So the, the, unfortunately, I cannot elaborate too much on that at the moment, but our agenda is to collaborate with as many um, services that are available for our users that will enhance their experience, that will complete their experience, whether it's on the outdoor, whether if it's on object recognition, whether it's other needs that they might have, you know, to give them the best value in the end of the day. Idan mentioned Be My Eyes, and we did an episode about that app two weeks ago in episode number 1745, and he also mentioned Blind Square, and we did an episode on that a couple of years ago in episode number 1544. And we also did an episode about Orcam, which he also mentioned in episode 1424. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the technology that is involved here. You said the sensors that are placed around the venue are self-powered. How does this work? We're using the iBeacon technology. It's a Bluetooth low energy technology. We're using self-tiny uh, sensors that are self-powered, self tiny sensors um, that you can install on the ceiling or on the wall. It's, it's basically the size of a matchbox. Once you stick it on the wall or on the ceiling, it's basically active. It's working. There's no buttons on it or anything like that. There's no wires, and it's very low maintenance uh, efforts on that. So yeah, once a user go nearby this accessible spot, and we can um, configure what is, what should be the range in each and every accessible spot. Once a user go in this kind of bubble area uh, around it, it, it will get the notification, the context about where he is, uh, what is it there, what is what's around him, and so forth. And what is the range of these devices? The maximum is up to 70 meters radius, uh, which I think it's about 210 feet radius uh, maximum. Mm -hmm. We almost never use, to, use it to the maximum. Actually, we're more close to the minimum because when you think about an indoor environment, you don't really think about 70 meter radius. That's kind of far away when you're indoors. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So we usually use that, configure that to about three and a half meters radius. Uh, this is usually the radius range around entrances or around the elevators or restrooms. How do you collaborate with the venue owner or manager to develop the details of the right here system to install there? We usually ask for the, the layout of the, of the venue, and then we try to find out, you know, what, where are the points of interest in it. Uh, again, entrances, elevators, stairs, restrooms, information desk, and so forth. We kind of count how many accessible spots are needed there, uh, and then we make them an offer based on that. So there is also no need of having a lot of accessible spots in the venue. Because, again, it's not an indoor navigation system. It's more an indoor orientation system. So, therefore, we locate the accessible spots, the beacons, 
only in points of interest inside the venue. We have listeners around the world who obviously they all understand English because they're listening to this show, but for many of them, their first language is something else. What languages do you cover? Okay, let's hope I remember them all. We have eight. So yeah, uh, it's English, it's uh, French, Spanish, Hebrew, Arabic, Czech, Dutch, and Russian. Yeah, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> and approximately how many venues is this system installed in around the world? We currently have about 1,500 accessible spots deployed, which is about 250 venues. Most of them, again, I would say 90% of them are in Israel. But again, most of our efforts at, you know, these days are towards the U.S. market, and uh, we're looking for more collaboration there to the ones you already have. You said that Right Here is a free app. How does it get paid for? We don't think that our users need to pay for the world to be accessible. It's part of our agenda. So we decided to give the whole service, the whole experience, totally 100 for free for our users. No ads included as well. Just having, you know, a good, decent accessibility experience uh, inside a public space that we consider our system just like a ramp for wheelchairs. And a ramp is what allows a person on wheelchairs to, to access, you know, a venue. Without it, it's, you know, it's just blocked. So our system, we consider it just the same thing. It's just like a ramp for a person who is blind or visually impaired. This is what allows him to actually go there independently, feeling you know, confident about where he is, what is it around him, and so forth. So when you think about it, who's the one who paid for the ramp? Obviously, it's a venue. And you know, when you compare those things, uh, you know, a ramp and, and our accessible spot, in terms of pricing, without getting to the numbers, it's uncomparable. Uh, you know, it just it doesn't matter of, of awareness. And this is one of our challenges. You know, I'm very happy to be in this uh, show because this is a, one of our challenges to create awareness among venues that, hey, this is just like a ramp. Think about this society, the blind society. They're out there. There are, you know, about 10 million people who are blind in the U.S. itself, right? Right. Something like that. So th they're out there. They deserve to have the same experience as anyone else. And therefore, here's a solution. There, there were no solutions till now, uh, but there, there is some now, and we encourage them to have it just like they have any other accessibility efforts in their venue. Well, that's a very creative funding model. I mean, after all, venues can spend a lot of money on accessibility, as you mentioned, with ramps and all, but uh, this is a relatively low-cost solution to make their venues accessible, and that way this service can be offered free of charge to patrons of the venue. Exactly. Now for this week's final item, how you can get more information about right here and how you can even influence getting a system installed in a venue that you frequent. So if people wanted to find out more about right here, where would they go? Well, they can find us on many channels. We're all over uh, the web. So we have our Facebook uh, page. We, have, we are on Twitter. Uh, our website, of course, is right-here.com. And just to, to clarify, it's here, H-E-A-R. Uh, so R-I-G-H-T-H-E-A-R.com. 
We also have our presence on LinkedIn. And, and then, yeah, and YouTube. We're very active on YouTube. We have many videos there uh, describing how to use the app uh, or the system in general. Uh, and what, what we're really looking for at the moment is having more feedback from users and from anyone else about what things can we improve, what things can we change or, or do to make a vision come true also in the U.S. So if any listener is really excited about this system and it does not yet exist at major venues in their hometown, what would you recommend they do to try to encourage that to happen? Thank you, Nancy, for asking that. That's a wonderful, wonderful question because we, we use, as I said in the beginning, we believe that if we want to have the world more accessible, we need to work together with as many as possible. Our, our way to get there is by working together. So having our users on our side in terms of putting efforts to make venues around the world accessible is super important for us. So what I would recommend our listeners First, try it out. Learn more about us on the, on the web or th thanks to this show. Uh, but once you find some venue ne nearby your area that you want it to be accessible, just go ahead and ask them for, to do that. Uh, you can also ask us to reach out to them and would love to do that. By the way, my email, feel free to contact me, any one of the listeners. My personal email is idan at r-i-g-h-t dash H-E-A-R.com. Please don't hesitate. Ask me anything. Contact me on any subject. I'll be happy to put efforts together with you to have the system operated in your next venue nearby your uh, area. Again, this is, the, I mean, our goal to get to a world that is accessible with the system uh, is by working together with the community and, and we'd be happy to do that. So it's up to us to reach out then. Uh, well, you can reach out to them or, or telling us know what specific venue you would like us to reach out to. Good. Because this is one of our challenges at the moment. We don't, we don't know who, who exactly should we target because there are areas that we're more focused on and less, but eventually we're looking for the feedback. One of the reasons we called right here is because we think the right thing to do for us as sighted people that not from the, this you know, domain, as I mentioned before, is to hear what this you know, community actually need and won't. So if you want to get involved and make these venues a little bit more accessible to people, you can find all that contact information that we talked about in our show notes for this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And remember, we're still soliciting tips for an upcoming tip show. Listeners have enjoyed those shows where we put together a list of a hodgepodge of little tips and tricks that people use to make their apps easier to use or favorite apps or just ways of doing things. If you have an idea that you'd like to be included in a show, send it to us at the email host at eyesonsuccess.net and let us know whether we can use your name to give you credit for your idea if it gets included in the show. That's it for show number 1747. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about hunting with little or no vision. We'll speak with Dirk Price, an avid hunter who has continued to hunt even after his vision failed, and John Brad, president of the Physically Challenged Bow Hunters of America, a nationwide nonprofit which provides hunting opportunities for men, women, and youth with all kinds of physical challenges in more than a dozen states. 
If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.tiesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and on Audioboom.com, at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.